Pleasant good afternoon to all. You are listening to another episode of Gals, hosted by a gal, but I can't speak for all gals. This is a podcast brought to you by 10th Year Seniors, and I am your host, Manda. And in the gal cave today, I have a special guest. Hi, everybody. My <laughs> name is Emma Tuletta. So excited. I love that. I'm so excited. People usually be so shy. <laughs> so, guys, Emma is a psychologist. Bahamian. Mm-hmm. She lives in Trinidad mm-hmm. working. Yep. I'm so excited because I always want to have a psychologist on the pod because I feel like I feel like things so mess up. I feel like we just don't like deep dive into a lot of stuff because we're not trained and we don't really know like what is we going on and we for sure as don't I I don't have no solid coping mechanism. So I'm very excited to have you, Emma. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. So tell me why you decided to choose psychology as your career. Okay. Well, initially, I thought Mm -hmm. that I was going to be an offshore banker. Ah, okay. (laughs) Clearly, that did not. No, that didn't happen. That did not happen. So um, um, I did like, you know, when you do like three days or a week of vocational training, Mm -hmm. like in grade nine. The job training. Right. And I went to one offshore bank here in the Bahamas. And I just did not like it. Mind you, I was mostly just doing filing. Not you hated it down. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it's, it wasn't really offshore banking. But um, uh, when I, I think I was in like grade 12 or even like grade 13. So mm-hmm. I went to St. Andrews. They um, have the international baccalaureate program there. Mm-hmm. And someone just mentioned it to me. They were like, wow, Emma, you know, you're, you're a really good listener and... I actually think you'd be a great psychologist. And after they said that, I just started thinking about it. Like, people usually feel really comfortable talking to me about Mm -hmm. even the most intimate things. And that, things were like that ever since I was little. And Mm -hmm. that's just such an honor for me, for people to feel comfortable sharing all sides of themselves Mm -hmm. with me and knowing that they won't be judged and... um, And now, knowing that I have the professional tools to actually help them, it just feels really good because, you know, everybody deserves to be helped. Everybody deserves to be treated with respect. My goal for everyone is, or my wish for everyone is for them to have that love within themselves as Mm -hmm. well because it's very difficult when you have a difficult relationship with yourself. Yeah. You can't run from that. Listen, it's it's literally nowhere for you to go. Mm -hmm. Nowhere for you to go. So... What is the difference between a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and a therapist? Now, I think, mm-hmm. I don't really know what the difference is in therapists because I'm not really sure what people, which one of y'all, which, which one of those professions people mean when they say therapist or if it's a separate thing right. altogether. But from my understanding, mm-hmm. psychiatry is where they can give you meds, right? 
Yes, so they can pres- they prescribe medication. So a psychiatrist would have gone to medical school. Okay. So they're doctors, mm-hmm. like medical doctors, I would say. Um, but psychiatrists, it can also provide um, psychotherapy as well. Um, but they primarily would prescribe medication as well if you if a client or an individual would need it. Okay. Um, so and a psychologist. Right. So a psychologist, not all psychologists do therapy. Oh. So there are a bunch of types of psychologists. There's school psychologists. Of course, they would operate primarily in the schools, and maybe they'd be doing assessments to see, like, okay, um, what's happening here with this child? They're a little bit behind. Um, is that like a guidance counselor? It's, it's different. So not mm. every psychologist or not every, yeah, not every psychologist can also do testing. Mm. So you would do testing to determine if someone has, like, ADHD, if they have a learning disorder, like um, dyslexia or mm. dysgraphia, where your handwriting is so bad that you can't read it. And okay. that's a problem because if the teachers can't read it, you how can fail. you mark exactly? Yeah, you can't mark you what you can't understand. doing everything, you know everything that is needed to know on a test, but you're just struggling in that way. So it's just to help you with your motor skills. Yeah, so, um, but the type of psychologist I am is a clinical psychologist. So mm-hmm. I'm a master's clinical psychologist. And we are the ones that they talk about a lot when they talk about testing and doing evaluations. So not the type of tests you do in school where you're like mm-hmm. nervous about that. They're the ones where you sit the person down in the little room and you give them little games, not games, but like little... Activities. Little activities to do and then you base whatever your result is going to be off of how they do it or, and stuff like that. So that, yeah, you do the activities. Okay. Sometimes if it's like a school evaluation or something for university, you would also get like their grades. So you see how they're doing. Um, you um, get a lot of background information because that's important. You never interpret results on their own. Mm-hmm. You need context, right? Because something could, someone could present the same way as somebody else in a test, but the context is different. So there's a different result of what's going on. Mm, okay. So and when people say a therapist, who mm-hmm. are they talking about? A therapist. So you were talking about therapists and counselors, right? So um, with counselors and therapists, the goals are a bit different, mm. right? So with counselors, oftentimes the, um, the therapy might be a bit more short term okay. and it might be on a specific issue. Um, but with um, therapists or psychotherapists, it's usually like, mid to long-term sessions. Okay. Um, they tend to delve deeper into um, what's going on behind people's, like, thoughts, behaviors, and mm. their, um, their feelings as well. They might focus also on the past and the future, whereas counselors typically tend to focus more on the present. So counselors deal with what you come in and say the issues is. Like, if you come in and say... I'm sad about this bottle of water. The counselor is going to more than likely focus on why you sad with the water, where you get the water from, why the water making you sad, th- things of that nature. But a therapist is like, well, how you was with water when you was two? How you see yourself being with water? What does water mean to you? So that's like what a therapist is. That's a really good way to explain it. Although there are some therapists who just focus on the present as well. It depends okay. on the type of therapy you're doing. Okay. Right. So when people say therapist, they, they are talking about a psychiatrist. A therapist could be a psychiatrist and a um, psychotherapist can be a psychiatrist and a psychologist as well. Okay. Right. So therapists don't have to give out meds, but they can if they needed to. So the therapist, if you're a psychologist, you typically don't prescribe. I know in modern day now they have like trainings and things and 
you know, universities are doing different things where a certain psychologist can now gain training so they can prescribe, oh. but that's mostly just psychiatrists. Okay, so you said you're a clinical psychologist. psychologist. Do you deal more with, when, when you test in and stuff, do you deal more with adults or kids or teens or? Well, I do, I do it across the lifespan. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what the people are needing in the moment. So I've done assessments for children, for adolescents. I've done assessments for adults. I've done assessments with, like, child custody cases or with, um, let's say, someone got in an accident, a car accident, and now they don't know how their brain is functioning. So mm-hmm. we want to test it out to see how things going to be, if they could drive again, if they could, like, calculate the distance properly. Because, you know, when you come in with those corners Chai. and you think... The car is far Child. away. You need to know that it's actually far away. You need to know away. that that right there. That it's yeah. not far. Please, please. Okay, got yeah. you. So, what does what does school look like when training to be a clinical psychologist? Like, because mm-hmm. I know y'all. I imagine y'all have to do practical and theory. Y'all Absolutely. don't just sit behind a desk, get a degree, and then go deal with people. There's right. definitely some type of training going on. Yep. So, how long the schooling is? Where Where did you go? If you don't mind saying, how sure. How was that? I don't mind. Um, so I did my bachelor's at um, the University of the West Indies in Barbados. Mm-hmm. So I did my bachelor's in psychology, and I did my um, master's in clinical psychology at the UE campus in Mona. I mean in Jamaica. That's so like Mona, Mona campus. Okay, Mona got campus, it. Jamaica. Got it. I see people tweeting about Mona, but I was like, okay. Right. So like I said, I'm a master's clinical psychologist. Um, what I didn't know at the time is um, that... You could go straight from your bachelor's into your PhD. So you oh, could, I out, right off your bachelor's, you can apply. So anybody listening here? I was going to say, I thought you had to go undergrad, master's, PhD. No. So um, if you have your friends who want to be a psychologist, you thinking about it, anybody, this is really good to know. So if you, okay, you have your bachelor's and then you want to do your PhD, that's typically what, so people would say if you have a, like your PhD or you got you would be called like a I would be called doctor to mm-hmm. letter, for example but I don't have my PhD. Um, so you can apply straight out of the bachelor's program and what typically happens is you learn you get a master's along the way and it's mm. easier because you don't have to like now that you're in the master's program you have to apply all over again. Yeah. But if you're already in the PhD program you don't have to apply again. I have a question. Sure. Um, when we talk about masters and PhD, mm-hmm. so now obviously a PhD is I'm assuming a higher level because it's a doctorate. It is a higher level. So when you do your masters, mm-hmm. when it's time to do your PhD, you have to just go into more depth with what your degree already in, or like how does that? How do they determine that? Okay, yeah, this person have their masters, but they are also qualified to have their PhD. Like. Mm-hmm. Is, is it just is it a matter of just going more in depth than you would in a master's program? Okay, so you would go more in depth, right? But remember that a PhD is more research focused. Okay, right. So if you um, if you maybe you want to be a teacher, maybe you want to learn sharpen your research skills as well, you can also go this route of the PhD. Doing okay. PhD. Um, well, if you want to be a professor, because you could still teach at the, if you have a master's degree, you could still teach in like undergrad mm-hmm. as well. But um, yeah, there's that. And me and Marissa mm-hmm. <laughs> actually talk about this a lot. So for y'all who doesn't, who, who don't know, um, Marissa Stubbs is another master's level clinical psychologist. She's paying me as well. Mm-hmm. And um, 
we have talked about this before. So if you get all this training in the, in the master's like, program to do clinical psychology and you're gaining experience, so and you're doing certifications, like you specialize in a certain therapy, certain type of therapy, so you really know how to use this and effectively get results, um, you might not want to get your PhD in the same thing. Mm. So maybe you'd want to do something in like public health or something more about the community. So you get that kind of knowledge too because the experience is very good as well. And someone could have their PhD, right, in clinical psychology, but they haven't specialized in a type of therapy. So so master's is more about experience and PhD is more about research. There's still research in the master's, but there's a heavy focus on research in PhD. PhD. Yeah. Okay, so schooling for you looked like a lot of in-person training. So before you had your master's, you was already seeing patients, or how does that work in okay. schools? So in my bachelor's, there wasn't a practicum, so there wasn't like an internship. But before I even did my bachelor's, I was trying to test out if I liked it, like oh, counseling and everything. So not I, not AMA test, not on the kids. No, 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 not like that. Mm-hmm. I went to I volunteered at the Bahamas Crisis Center. So okay, you can volunteer there. It's a crisis center for people who are being. Um, emotionally, sexually, physically abused or have been or maybe they're experiencing bullying or they're really overwhelmed or stressed and so on, depressed and so on. Um, so I would just do some of the intakes before a qualified therapist mm. would provide therapy. We're okay. not going to be unethical around here. Okay, the major stuff. thing <laughs> is to avoid harm. So we're definitely not going to be harming um, individuals by working Work, not working within our own boundaries of competence. Okay, That is you. just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I was just seeing how I liked it. Then I talked about people in the, talked to people in the arena already. And then I did like it. So I had that experience. And then a little time, like, um, under a psychiatrist at um, Sandlands. But when I got into the master's program, that's when I had experience um, working at a private practice in Jamaica and then working at Sandalands, providing therapy and um, helping out with group therapy as well and doing evaluations. So how was it moving from like school mm-hmm. to like the workforce, given that you had had a, like you had had a little bit of experience, especially coming from your master's. Right. So you had done it a bit, but now yeah. you finished school. This ain't for no grade, this ain't for no hours, this ain't to prove nothing to <laughs> nobody down to the thing. Yeah. This, you about to do your work. How different was that for you? Hmm. The difference, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a jump. It's it's an adjustment. This is something mm-hmm. new now. And like you said, it's not for grades. It's not like someone would say, yeah. oh, you get an A on this or you get a whatever. You do get um, evaluations. And, you know, when you get in supervision, which is very important, mm-hmm. when you um, finish school, you, you learn more about um, maybe what you need strengthening with or what your strengths are. And I think that's what it's important to remember. Not like, oh, I'm bad at this. It's just also reminding yourself that I'm learning. So if I'm learning all of these things and they're new to me, then now actually out there working, um, it makes sense that I wouldn't know how to do these in a way that maybe someone who's been doing it for 10, 20 years Mm. would have been doing it. Still working within my boundaries of competence, but also giving myself the grace to know that I will get there. So you know, how? well, I don't know if you know, on a lot of corporate jobs, they do, like, performance evals. Mm-hmm. Does that happen with psychologists? Um, like, well, do y'all have b- bosses, I guess, for lack of a better term? Well, when, you, when you're... Okay, so this is a bit more complex. So in the States, 
and various places in the Caribbean and even in Canada. So you have you have to be licensed to practice on your own, mm-hmm. right? Um, so when you come out of school, some schools they the licensing is a part of it of the program. So once you finish the school, you're already licensed, which mm. is awesome. Okay, that wasn't the case at UE Mona. So you you need a supervisor. That's really important. And they will tell you, oh, you know, well, when you were in the session, what made you think to ask this? And mm, how come you okay. shied away from that? And this before you could get your license. And, yeah, so okay. you would, yeah. So and you after need to you, do a certain amount of hours. After you have the license, is there anyone that comes in, I don't know, let's say a year in, two years in, to, what, I, what's the word? To evaluate you. Is there someone else that comes in or is the license just once you have it, you have it till you do something wrong enough for them to take it? Well, you know, you have to keep up with your license, though. So you keep up, and then like psychologists—that's the thing. And psychologists, therapists, counselors—you're constantly, you constantly want to know the changes that are mm-hmm. happening. So like with the DSM five, basically the Bible mm-hmm. for um, psychological challenges and mental disorders and everything, it's constantly being updated. So you okay. want to become up to date, and you want to know the new practices because maybe some of the practices that were there twenty years ago, mm-hmm. they find now that you know this wasn't as helpful. There's a more effective way. Mm-hmm to do things and this this is y'all as individuals continuing on with this consistent mm-hmm. learning there's yeah. no higher person that comes in two years in and say okay Emma, um i want to supervise that at all let me have a look at xyz abc that doesn't happen no it's up to y'all to keep up with the knowledge the practices the license and you to make sure you're you know you're complying with the APA ethical standards mm-hmm. or Jamaica does jam site. Do you have to like re reapply for a license every year or something like that? Um, I'm not sure of the actual year, but you you would need to keep up with it. So it's not just like a okay, I did this licensure thing and I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know? When you say then, keep up, how? So sometimes even with like courses, you have to keep you have to do a certain amount of um, courses. Mm. And I, I can't really speak to you know, specifics about the U.S. and Canada and mm-hmm. so on. And certain places in, in um, the Caribbean, they don't have a licensing as yet. So okay. what they're saying is, okay, so you came out of school, um, you did your master's, for example, or PhD or whatever it is, and you will do three years of, supervi- of supervision under a psychologist with a PhD. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're really honing the skills. You're not going to harm any clients. Right. And um, you're the most ethical psychologist that you can be. And then you get your, your license. Well, some of them don't have it. Oh, okay. Yeah, some of them don't have a license, uh, licensing. Um, some Caribbean countries, you mean? Correct. Islands. Right, mm-hmm. correct. They don't, they don't have it yet. So they're working on creating it, but it hasn't been developed yet. And until they create it, th- those are the things in place, like yeah. supervised to, working. To okay, you got to you. ethical and provide the clients. Do you have a psychologist? Treatment. A psychologist. Mm-hmm. Or I a therapist currently or don't have a psychologist. I would love to have a psychologist. So you do. So you, <laughs> if you, why don't you have one then? Well, I don't have one right now. It's just been like a, um, like a lot going on because I like moved and everything too. Oh yeah, because you was in Jamaica and now you went. Well, Jamaica was school, mm-hmm. and I, I I live now in Trinidad. So there's that. <laughs> um, uh-huh. But definitely, as soon as I can, I'm gonna look for a therapist and get a therapist and. I would love that. I, I that doesn't mean I haven't done therapy before. Like, uh huh. To do your masters, like at UE Mono, and most programs are like the psychology programs. You have to be on the other side of things. Okay, so got you. We did six sessions of therapy, and the type of therapy happened to be cognitive behavioral therapy. So you're looking at 
how your feelings connect with your behaviors, connect with your um, your thoughts. And right? this, be- this is before you even get your degree. Correct. So if like red flags go up for whoever is your um, psychologist, they would probably recommend that maybe she ain't ready down for the degree yet. Or, or there are some things that she could work on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you recommend maybe further therapy. So even if you've never had a therapist before to get a, psych- a degree in psychology, you definitely have to go see somebody first. Usually that's what happens. Yeah. Okay. But I was grateful for that. Mind you, I was in a program about psychology and I was nervous too. So it's okay <laughs> if y'all are nervous and you're like, you know what? I don't know what to expect with this therapist. I know how it could be. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Got you. So now let's get into the topic. The episode is going to be called Culture Shock because, as Emma said, she's a Bahamian. She went to school here. She was raised. Were you born here? No. I was born in the States. She was raised there. She went to school here up until grade 13. So her whole high school life, whole primary school life. And then she moved to another Caribbean place. So what do you think are some, like, this now you done in school, you done in the workforce. What mm-hmm. as you were learning and studying, what were some Bahamian ideals or habits that you didn't realize at the time when you was here, but once you was in school, you was like, Oh wow, that's quite harmful. And people <laughs> say that all the time, or, or people do that all the time, or people hold up this ideal all the time. And it's like, that's actually very harmful, or if not harmful, just quite impactful. Because you know, sometimes things are so regular or commonplace yeah. that we think like it really don't have an effect because it's like second nature but in actuality it's like no if someone wasn't saying that to you on a weekly basis this would not be how we maneuver how we feel right what kind of habit ideals did you realize were were that big of a deal or harmful in your studies and work um i think i have a few of them actually and like well go ahead you girl. know you said you put it so well like you know we think this is something that just because it happens all the time mm-hmm. it's it's Especially if you've only ever lived in the Bahamas, like you've never been nowhere else. So the term that I like a lot to describe that is normalized dysfunction. I didn't Mm. coin it, but for me, I was just like, ooh, (laughs) on point. (laughs) I know that's right. So sometimes it's like we experience this very often, but, you know, we don't realize, like you said, that it's harmful or this is just not what everybody else experiences. And I think... Um, off the top of my head, some of them are, um, so with children, right? Okay. So, I think a lot, the common thing in the Bahamas that, you know. Emma's getting visibly nervous. I, so, I'm, I I'm am nervous. I'm actually very nervous here, what she's about to say, because I can see her getting <laughs> nervous before she say it. Okay. So, I think sometimes it's a thing where it's like, the, the adult or the parent or the caregiver is like, you need to respect me and you mm-hmm. just need to do what I say. Mm-hmm. And there's no question, no talking back or, um, yeah. So it might be a thing like that where it's actually very normal for a mm-hmm. child to question things, especially at a certain developmental age. So when you're a toddler, two to three, that's re- it's great if you have a, cl- of a child saying like, but why, mm-hmm. but why, but why? I know. It can be a bit irritating sometimes. It can. But this is an amazing thing. That's the, that means they have this like zest for exploring the world. And chances are every one of us would have experienced that at a certain point. Mm-hmm. At that age. It's just typical, right? But a child might get like scolded for that. Or, you know, I think sometimes here we'd say the punishment is 
a way to curb the behavior when really it's it's abuse. Okay, so let let's go back from the punishment. Let's mm-hmm. let's talk about the not allowing the child, I guess, to be inquisitive. Mm-hmm. What effects? What harmful effects come from diminishing that? What's the word? Inquisitive nature. So when you don't allow, when you don't give the answers, you kind of just no, don't ask me this. Da, 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 da. What are you? What are you allowing to happen? What, what's the pro, what's the problem with that? And what is the consequence of that for the child? Okay, so you're really. Um start not to ask more anymore you're repressing how you feel in that moment that's never good mm-hmm. even though sometimes people might think like oh you know i told them not to do this and now they're not doing it they're being the quote-unquote good child right isn't good either they we'll talk in. about that we'll talk about that um and so that excitement for exploring the world is kind of like snuffed out a little bit so well, it dims a light yeah okay and um also, you might become more fearful of, like, exploring the world more. And, you know, it's important mm. for us to take risks. Because guess what? If you don't take risks, you would never try to be in a relationship with someone you like. Maybe you wouldn't even tell them that you like them. And it just, you know, then there's resentment. You might not apply for a job because maybe now you think, oh, I could never get it. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense for me to apply. So. Oh, because you wasn't allowed to ask a few questions? This could be something. We're talking on a general scale now. We talk, this is not like a every time this happens, this is the result, y'all. We're talking on a, on a general scale. Yeah, that's why it's important for kids to be able to take risks as well. So instead of like um, stopping them from doing anything that maybe we might think, oh, no, they're walking on this. Um, we're, we're, they're walking on the pavement. Like, you know, when you walk on the, what's the, Sidewalk? like when you park your car mm-hmm. and there's like a little stopper there. Yeah. So they're walking on that, and you're just telling them every time, oh, no, 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 you could hurt mm. yourself, you could... Without you realizing, you're transferring your anxiety about the situation mm. onto the child. Not, not y'all making a scaredy cat on. <laughs> and um, that can affect later sometimes your ability to take good risks. To be courageous. Right. Okay, got you. What was I going to say? So... Mm-hmm. When they be like, uh, y'all, this is a very, very simple example because I like I like to keep it very understandable for the audience. Yeah. So when they be like, don't touch the hot pot, and the child goes and touch the hot pot, and they let them get burned, that's not as a bad thing necessarily. I'm saying let them let their child put their hand over fire, but I'm saying like, if the child wants to touch a hot pot and the that's dangerous is not working. And they let them so that they get burned so that they could see, okay, no, that is hot. Maybe I shouldn't touch that if I don't like that. That is not a bad thing. I mean, I wouldn't advise you letting it happen. Now, hold on, I am a now. Hold on. <laughs> you say don't try into my anxiety. Right. But so you can my... explain. You can explain to a child in the yeah, same way. Unless I damn my hair out. Because, you know, children are young. It could make all the sense in the world to me and yeah. you. But But just like the thing with the walking on that mm-hmm. that piece of like concrete you 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 want to be there for them mm-hmm. to make their calculated risk so if they fall you could kind of like you could catch them so they know like okay i could comfortably do this and also I so have keep the, the cold water me. keep the cold water running before they touch the hard part that's that's in simple very layman's term Keep the cold water. Don't leave the kitchen if you know your job but to touch this hot pot. Stay right there. Oh, yeah, you shouldn't leave them in there. Okay, got you. Give me one more habit that we have or ideal that we have that when you went to school, you was like, no, nah, nah, hold on. I thought this was, this ain't regular. This ain't healthy. This is not. Or maybe something where you thought already, like, 
I don't know why I feel this way about this habit or this thing that happens at home. And then you went to school and you was like, that's why daddy ain't click. Because daddy ain't right. right. Give me right. another one So I would say the authoritarian parenting type of style here. So it's just like, what I say goes. Mm-hmm. I might yell at you and all of these things. I know what's right, no matter what. Don't talk back to me, which for me, when I learn about that, it's like, it's not talking back. I'm really, I'm trying to explain to you. You mm-hmm. ask me what happened and I'm trying to explain to you what's happening. And if you cut me off every time and you're telling me, you know, you're talking back, you're being disrespectful. If you're telling me that you speaking up is it. disrespectful, I'm going to not want to be disrespectful because that, that proves to give to get an angry reaction from the people I love the most, my parents. Right. Okay. And then the thing about that is it's conditioning. So you learn that over time. You're right. So now when you're in the office and maybe you need to speak up about something that... Curl. <laughs> Curl. And I stop. Listen, I have a darn hard time convincing my co-workers mm-hmm. like, hey, this is one of those times where you could say something because you actually have like a valid point or, or something to say. This is one of them times like... Don't be scared, but I have found that, at least in the corporate world, people are very slow to stand up to whoever their superior is. And the more superior you are, the less likely I've seen people be willing to say something against what they say or to correct them. And I just be like, no, but your point's so valid. You could definitely say it. Like, definitely do that. Definitely do that. But I've also experienced being nervous to to correct an, an, a person in authority. Whether that's parents a police well i ain't correcting no police officer over here i can tell you a lot now but any person in like authority i have found especially when i was young i found it quite difficult to like correct them because it's almost like well one i want you to get mad and start screaming because i ain't like that and then two mm-hmm. how how you could be wrong and i right if you're the authority if that makes sense you see these takeaways yeah. that we have and that's why the understanding of trauma is so important we think it's just well, I don't want to say just because I don't want to belittle that at all. We think it only amounts to physical abuse, sexual abuse, and so on. It's emotional abuse. It's mm-hmm. mental abuse. A lot of the things that maybe we don't know are emotional abuse. So the mind games, manipulating you, um, yelling at you. That's not a good feeling. That In your body, I was going to ask you about relationship practices that are the norm over here that mm-hmm. you realize when you go into school. Wait a minute. That is not... That is not regular. This amounts to a level of abuse that nobody home talks about or nobody yeah. home takes it that seriously. Because I've noticed, like, obviously now getting older and educating myself, I've noticed, like, this shouldn't be happening. But this is actually a regular occurrence. So regular that people speak openly about it in, in mixed company. So it's like, it can be a secret and it can be bad. But mm-hmm. actually, someone driving past your house in the night to make sure you're home is not regular. That is not a thing that should be happening. They shouldn't be comfortable to do that, and you shouldn't be comfortable with that happening. That's very scary. Um, <laughs> so again, normalize dysfunction. Yes, normalize. I might change. I might change the title of the episode. <laughs> Put a little colon. <laughs> I might. I might change. But y- yes, and this is coming from somebody who has experienced that. And at the time, I thought it was. I said, "Well, I didn't think nothing was wrong because I was home." And so I was mm-hmm. like, "Okay, whatever." But as I got older, I was like. that's okay i don't think that should be a thing Mm -hmm. that people do whether the intention is good or bad or whether they know it's wrong or not yeah like i say that's not something that i should think is okay and that's not something the person doing it should think is okay correct okay um i'll tell you one that i didn't know like i personally didn't know 
And this was something I was doing. And I, I share it because, you know, the reality is we, we all may have unhealthy and healthy behaviors. And the more we know about them, mm-hmm. the, the, like we can actually address it. So I didn't know that the silent treatment was a form of abuse. You know, mm. okay, so they talk about this in the, in, you know, social media posts, all of these mm-hmm. things, like when your girl's giving you the silent treatment. Yeah. Or you'll say like, well, what's wrong? Like I could visibly see, visibly see something's wrong with you. Oh, uh, like you're upset or something. And um, you might say, oh, it's fine. <laughs> or like, you used to be doing well, that you should know. Or I'm just like quiet. Or the, do whatever you want then. Just do what you want then. But that's not, that's not healthy. That's why I be getting so irrationally upset when when people start do that to me. Because open it your irrational? mouth. I don't that's think a it's good question. <laughs> that's a good question. If it, it it makes sense. Okay, you're right. Because I be mad. I don't like. I don't like if someone's giving me the silent treatment. I don't. I don't necessarily like row or get like super angry. But I I be mad though. Like I is that's enough for me to say I don't want to talk to it all no more. Because that that I can't that. Ignoring me for now. If you say, "Okay, man, uh, I'm really upset," or this, this, I need a minute. You could have the minute, but say that if you just take the minute. Me, no, I, I scare mad. I don't always say my, but I just be dead, man. The thing about that is, what you learn a lot in therapy is no emotion mm-hmm. is bad or good. All of the emotion is going to give you clues into okay. what you're experiencing, how you feel about it, and so on. It's okay. It's very normal and okay for you to be upset Mm -hmm. it's okay for you to be disappointed it's okay for you to be hurt it's how you express Mm. that so you want to be expressing it in healthier ways if you need a moment you know you're going to explode you take that moment and then you come back to it when you're more regulated so it's important for you your nervous system so how it feels in your body to be more regulated when you're having these difficult and emotionally charging conversations and you, when you're regulated, your body actually feels safe. The opposite mm. of that is just like fear and yes. safety. So you, your breathing is more um, regularly paced. It's not like super fast. It's not like you're not breathing at all because that's mm-hmm. happened to me before. I didn't realize I was breathing. Mm-hmm. And um, you might not feel as jittery. So you take a few deep breaths and so on to help you okay. regulate or whatever feels natural to you. Okay, so you talked about something you realized that you were doing in a relationship that may have mm-hmm. not been. The, what else did you learn about yourself in Myself? your studies and your career development? What was one thing that you was like, oh, wow, I did not know this about me. And had I not chosen this career path, I may have never figured this out. I, I'm, I may have never come to this epiphany. You know, I think there were a lot of things actually <laughs> going Child to pick one. psychology were very, was very like healing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, a huge thing that I did was I repressed my emotions. Mm. So I kept things really, I tried to push them down. I, you know, and sometimes it's because you don't feel safe to communicate those things with people. But um, yeah. You I, talked I, about that on one episode of your podcast. You talked about you not being as expressive of negative yes. feelings when you were younger. That's I don't remember it, which episode yeah. it was, but you spoke about it. Correct. So it's just like all of the emotions. I wasn't comfortable expressing them all, so I would bottle them up, and then I, there would be moments I'd explode. It might be like a quiet explosion, which isn't comfortable either. Right. So you're not talking. You just really, as, as Bahamians say, you just screw, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I didn't realize at the time what I was doing. So... When you bottle up your emotions and you try to push them down, you think that you're only pushing down the ones that um, 
you don't want to feel. So maybe like hurt, guilt, mm-hmm. um, frustration, disappointment. But what happens is you also don't get to feel happiness, excitement, joy, and all mm. these things to the same intensity that you would be able to if you were able to feel all of these emotions fluidly, flexibly, flexibly, and without judgment. And that's the goal. That's he- healthily feeling your emotions doesn't mean only feeling some of them. It's you feeling as all they of come, them. You feel them without judgment. Okay. So. So yeah. you learned that Emma has a tendency to repress emotions. I mean, or Emma I, had a tendency. I had. So now I realize that I can also like love people a lot mm-hmm. more. I realize I can um, love friends even mm-hmm. more. And I, I didn't realize at the time that I wasn't doing that. I mm. can connect to people more. I feel more confident being myself. And so when someone says, hey, what you want to do today? I don't say... I don't know what you would. What do you want to do? Today? <laughs> Knowing that I know what I want to do, I know I, will, I know I will go to the beach. <laughs> I know what I want to do, but I'm thinking, oh, maybe you don't want to do do this today. But like, what I want to do matters as well. It does. So self worth and feeling my emotions in a healthier way, and that's also okay. learning the unhealthy practices that I had, mm. so I could correct them because I don't want to harm people. Right. And um, you could be harming someone unintentionally as well, and you still need to correct that mm. because. Regardless of whether it's intentional or not, it doesn't mean like, okay, if it's unintentional, it doesn't hurt this person. You still hurt them. Mm. So it's coming to terms with that as well. And, you know, holding yourself accountable, but also with grace as well. We can't bully ourselves into being better. Can't okay. So you was in the Bahamas, yeah. then Jamaica, then now Trini. What, are there any, like, habits that you thought were solely to, like, the Bahamas and then you went to the other Caribbean islands and you was like, oh, all us is do this. <laughs> this goes across the plane. This is not, this is not special to us. Um, I mean, I would just say I love island living. <laughs> what I do love, that mean? I love, um, I guess it also depends on the people you connect yourself with. So mm. I love genuine connections. Mm-hmm. I love when I feel like I can be authentically myself and I'm not being judged for that. And, you know, other people feel comfortable being themselves around me. And I definitely had that in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. I had that in Trinidad. And I have that here as well. So that's something that I really value. I'm trying to think, because I know you're talking about more like cultural things. Um Sometimes the practices as well, like, so if we're talking about something that I think that should be improved, the authoritarian parenting style, we don't know how, how significantly that impacts children. Who I could tell adults. it does a lot because that is the third time that has been your number one example. That mean, that's it, a girl. big, de- that's, that's a <laughs> big huge. deal. It's so huge. that goes, like, you've noticed that in the places that you've lived or been that most of, most of Caribbean parents have that authoritative I don't know Parenting if I style. could say most, but I'd say it can, it can be common. Yeah. Okay. It can be normalized dysfunction, as we said. Right. So what is like a basic level practice that you think we can, in the Bahamas or the Caribbean at large, what's a basic level practice here at home mm-hmm. that you think if we applied it here at home, it would improve the mental health state in this country in general? Because I think we... Definitely at a, a, a deficit when it comes to making mental health a priority. And I think yeah. it shows in, in the crime and the suicides and things of that nature. It shows that we're not in a good place. So, and you know, people always say, oh, well, you know, therapy is so expensive. And da 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 Or how do you curb um, someone who's like already 25? Or, you know what I mean? Or sometimes like, oh, well, there's nothing we can do about crime because they don't care if they live or die. What is like a basic level thing that would kind of... 
what's the word I'm looking for? I wouldn't say change because that's a big word. What's a basic level practice that we don't have in place that we should have in place that could curb some of this like kind of behavior? For me, I think that learning more about your nervous system and how to regulate it is mm. huge. It's huge because a lot of us are just very dysregulated and we become used to this kind of chronic dysregulation in our body like chaos yeah basically chaos in your body and what happens when it's inside it comes out right Mm. so learning to restore your body to a sense of calm um and different ways you can do that so if you notice okay you start to notice when it's moving out of that state of calm. So what, what really happens to me? Do I clench my fist like the Arthur meme? Is my jaw clenched? Mm-hmm. Am I not breathing like I mentioned? Am I breathing too quickly? Um, what are the type of thoughts I'm starting to have? Mm. So becoming aware of what's happening in your body is the first step because sometimes we miss it when, um, when we're thinking about it or maybe we think it's not that intense. Yeah, but before you know it, you, you, you explode in. Right, but there were steps before mm-hmm. but maybe we weren't aware of them so becoming aware of that and then what you do is basically the opposite so if your hands are un- uh, clenched you want to just relax them okay if you're breathing you're not breathing anymore or you're breathing too quickly you can take a moment to take some deep breaths in through your nose out through your mouth there's different ways to do it there's like four 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 so you breathe um you exhale out of your mouth for four you breathe in for four, and you hold it for four. Okay. And you just repeat it until you feel more calm. So this could be like two minutes, five minutes. Um, there's different types of breathing. So even like the, it's like belly breathing. So you you want to breathe in, and your belly like expands like a balloon. Girl, my yoga girl always trying exhale. to get us to do that. And I just be like, oh, gosh, girl, please, please, let's wrap it up. Well, if you don't like that, that's fine. So you got to find what works for you, right? No, I think I just as be being impatient when she doing the breathing exercises. I think I just as be being impatient. I could do it. It doesn't, I'm indifferent to what, it's not that I don't like it. I just, just be like, can we please, what, did, what is the value of this? But now that you're saying it, there is a value to, to breath work. Okay. What? Yeah. That makes sense. So when you're, the thing is, if you already know, like, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed in this situation, I'm dysregulated, you can hack your nervous system. You're you like, can regulate okay. yourself. Right. Because the breathing is basically going to trick your body into being more relaxed. Mm. Because you're n- when you're relaxed, you're breathing naturally. And when you're overwhelmed and so on, the same thing, you're not breathing at all. And this is just all to trigger your body into like a fight or flight or freeze type of response. And that's, when that happens, that's also to increase your chance of survival. So okay, got you. Even though it might feel a little scary in the moment and so on. So those type of things. That sounds like something they should be teaching in school. Like that should be a, that should be something like that's a whole other episode. If not like a class, that should be something that like children work on like. Even at the end of the day or the start of it, that should be like a set out part. You know how they make us write down our schedule in a black and white book? Listen. That should be like a, a 30 minute or 20 minute, however classes are set up. That should be like a part of the day. And if you start with that at like, let's say primary school, you don't forget stuff like that. Especially, especially if you're doing that every day. You don't forget that. So then when you get to yeah. high school and adulthood and you go down to these people's job where you're dealing with so much different situations or personalities, you remember... Okay, Miss Tuletta said da 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 da. Oh, Miss Tuletta said that. You know what I mean? Like if that's a if that was a practice, I think I do I do think that's a a basic level habit that if started early could curb a lot of what we have going Agreed. on now. I say that all the time. I feel like 
when you could start learning English, mm-hmm. you could start learning about psychology. You could start learning about emotions because we don't always know what we're feeling because we haven't been taught to know what we're feeling. So it's sometimes it's even uncomfortable. Sometimes even emotions that people might say these are happy emotions, they feel uncomfortable for us because they're unsafe for whatever reason. Um, but learning your emotions, learning how to regulate your nervous system, learning what may be unhealthy practices that you're doing and what are unhealthy what are healthy alternatives all of this is so important and it should be I, for me i just feel like like english it should be a class that's yeah it taught should be scheduled in the day to every, teach to teach people this. this is a course that's year long and it's from like grade one to grade mm-hmm. 12 or whatever i think it's so fundamental because like the relationship you have with yourself shapes any the relationship most, yeah you the have. most important one right so yeah definitely that so learning yeah, the ways that you could regulate okay. your nervous system, I would say, is huge. Okay. So now we're going to get into, before we close, ask the host. So Ooh. this is where Emma can ask me any two questions, whether related to the topic or not, and I have to answer them on air. Emma's already written down her questions. I have not seen them. So Emma, are you ready? Ooh, ooh, First I'm question. Ready. I know y'all are hoping this book I'm a little like nervous. a spicy question, eh? No, <laughs> I, I'm nervous just because I feel like you asked me like a psychologist question. Oh, well, don't delete nothing just read it just re- go ahead go I ahead just want a box face no <laughs> no 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 because no, leave it right there so i can see okay no, go ahead so what i i just i i don't know if you talked about this before but like what led to you getting into podcasting oh my god you're like the third person okay next no i gotta <laughs> <laughs> i could answer it okay um as you guys have heard emma hasn't heard this response before but um i was at school no Bahamians, mm-hmm. so n- nobody that looks like me. I was like the black friend in yeah. all of my circles, in my dance circle, in my church circle. Well, I never used to talk to nobody in class anyway because I didn't want to be the black student in class. And then, as y'all could hear, I have a very typical Bahamian accent. So naturally, people couldn't understand me often, and I found it quite annoying to repeat myself the third time. And by annoying, I mean embarrassing. Because like, yeah. if you can't hear me, I sound the one if I can't talk. Why you in? You know what I mean? So I didn't have a lot of um, people I could actually talk to, like, freely. Yeah. Um, and so I used to listen to a college talk with Timmy, Amo, and Ashley, and Mick. Okay. And it was similar to, like, a podcast. But it was, you know, Bahamians. And I was cool to listen to, and I would, like, send questions or whatever. And then I, at the same time, I started listening to Neck of the Woods and the Read podcast. And the mm-hmm. more I listened to it, I was like, I could do that. I, I could definitely, I could so do this. This is a thing that I can do. And I would never share my um, thoughts online because okay. I felt like, and I still feel like there's no boundary line online. People kind of say whatever they want, no matter how harmful it can be to the person they're responding That's to. True. And I don't respond well to people crossing boundaries. I'm not a person that can leave it online. I feel like if you if you say it online and then I come home and I see you out, I should be able to address that in whatever fashion is I deem appropriate because I'm the one that's offended. And obviously that's not the healthiest route to take us. When I say address in a way that I deem appropriate, what I really mean is to fight. That's so like, and obviously like you can't just, someone can't say something to you in March that's offensive. And then I come home in June, I see you in the food store and just start punching you. That's not healthy. You know, I'm very grateful you know your boundaries. That's not that's not that's not how you deal with confrontation. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that people online um, were comfortable to be disrespectful, it just made me nervous and fearful of sharing my ideas or or my opinions on things. So when I came home, I was like, 
if I have a podcast, if I want a podcast, mm-hmm. then I can share what, you know, share my things, um, share what I have to say on, you know, different topics with different guests. And if people don't like it, yeah, they could comment, but that ain't coming to me. That come into the, the podcast page. So if I don't want to address it, I don't have to. They're not like, you know what I mean? Like, I just like, I would be more comfortable to do that, to say it in a safe space without someone interrupting me in the middle of a Twitter thread or something like that. So I was like, hmm, I like, and I was like, I feel like I have stuff that is helpful and, and healthy and intelligent to say. I feel like I can, I feel like I have that and I would like to share that. So that is how I started. That's why I have a podcast now. Well, that was a beautiful response. <laughs> I'm glad you decided to do what felt right for you, you know? Me too. I love it here. Because like you said, you know, you do have valuable things to share. Like everyone mm-hmm. has something of value and you're definitely one of them. So Thanks no, for thank having you. This What's podcast? the second question? Okay. My second question is, you know, you were asking about some tips, mental health tips, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you do for you, Amanda? What do you do for your mental health? Oh, um, what do I do for my mental mm-hmm. health? That is such a deep question because I feel like I feel like because I've never been to therapy and I definitely missed the mark on when I should have went to therapy. You know, like when you, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. And when you think about how you reacted to a situation or things that happened after a situation, mm. you think back like, I should have probably talked to someone after that happened. Or maybe after I had the, the bad reactions. Or okay. So for example, I was held up at gunpoint sometime over the pandemic. I want to say wow. 2020, me and my friend in the car, they stole the car. Um, and after that... Any gentleman I saw that resembled the people that robbed us, and they looked like the average Bahamian male. So quite often, a man in a car would make me, listen. when I say nervous and scared, I could be in my home, and they could be driving outside and looking out the window, and I would get scared. Wow. Like, I talking about hard beating fast, thinking they see me, like, or like just being hyper-observant when I pull in the yard, when I pull out the yard, like, run into the house, run, and stuff like that. It's like, well, sis... That, that sounds like PTSD. You should probably talk to someone about that, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. So, like, I often say to myself, not just with that, with other situations, like, I missed the mark to go to um, when I should have um, went to therapy. Not to say I, I can't go now, but I'm just saying. So, for my mental health, I try to, like, um, when I feel something or something, I'm quite in tune with my body. So, when something feels off, mm-hmm. I try to figure out why does this feel off? What has happened lately? To, to yep. make this Lovely. feel off, if it, especially if it hasn't always felt off and it feels off now. So what happened? What's going on, Les? Okay, so Monday was this, stuff like that. I try to also, for my mental health, communicate how I feel effectively without expecting the other person to answer me how I want to hear it. So I can't count on you to answer me how I want you to, but I could count on me to effectively, not disrespectfully, tell you, how I feel, or maybe you did something that makes me feel away, something like that. I also try to give myself a lot of me time to talk to myself. Cause sometimes like you might do something that offends me and you don't know. And I have this, I don't have a, um, a good temper and I have this big reaction in my head and I want, Oh, I want to say this to Emma. I want to say that to Emma. Mm-hmm. But if I go home and I say all those things out loud, just, you know, washing dishes or cooking, when I hear it back, it's like, baby, all she, all she do is take your apple. <laughs> You don't have to, you do not need to talk to that lady like that. That is not what's happening. This is not an Emma thing. She got a fruit. You don't need to be this, there's no reason you want to crash Emma's car because she took a, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. when I hear those, um, 
those things that are not proportionate to what happened, then I could kind of, well, girl, why are you so mad? Or did Emma do something else? Or is there something about Emma that you are insecure about? Like, what, what have you like this? And so when I have me time, that's like, that's what I do with that time. Like, I talk to God, I talk to myself, I see like, what's really going on? So I could make sure that whatever happens around me doesn't throw me off kilter too much to, to one side. I so those that. are the kind of things I do for my mental health, guys. So it sounds like, okay, you're pausing, which is really important because mm-hmm. you're emotionally charged in the situation. And then you go back and you're doing some type of verbal journaling, mm-hmm. basically, to get all your thoughts out so they're just not all jumbled up in here. Yeah. And when you hear them out, kind of like when you could read them back, you're like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, is this accurate? Right. Like, that's what happened. Is that what happened to Mando? Is mm-hmm. that? And if it is accurate, it is accurate. Yeah. But if, like you said, it's disproportionate, mm-hmm. then you process it a bit more mm-hmm. and you would give the appropriate reaction to now sometimes that. i'll sometimes i'll write it down mm-hmm. like if it's if it's more faith-based or prayer-based like if i feel like i'm having an internal conflict with something or if i just feel um a lack of faith and you know whatever i do know whatever facing that I'll, I'll like journal out but if it's not like faith-based and it's just like how amanda's reacting to something or how amanda's seeing something that's when i like talk like Okay. Because that's not really necessarily a prayer. That's me trying to unwind or un- oh, nice, unwrap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, when I finish that, if I have a prayer after that, then, you know, I'll journal that down. But, okay. yeah, so, like, the verbal okay. stuff. I love that. That's what I do to keep it together, guys. <laughs> I also, you know, thanks for sharing mm-hmm. about that, like, very dramatic experience. Girl, I was so, girl, I was so scared. I didn't look scared in the moment, but I was actually very terrified because... The guy with the gun was on my friend's side. Mm-hmm. And my, my sweet friend, <laughs> she ain't used to nothing like that. So I was so scared for her because I didn't know she ain't never seen no gun. She never had no gun in her face. But this was her car. I just was like, oh, my gosh. But obviously, I couldn't act scared because two scared people with a gun and two men, that's not a good combination. Mm-hmm. But one scared person, one reasonable person, that might, that, might could do, that might could do something. But, yeah, my reaction to that, I just was like, girl, that's PTSD. This is not regular. You shouldn't be scared to run in the house. That's not okay. And you shouldn't be scared of the average person because they're the average person. You'll be scared. You'll be scared every day if you, you know. But it was, that was tough to yeah. work through. That was, that was a difficult one. It makes sense that you would be having those reactions because, you know, trauma lives in the body mm-hmm. as well. And your brain is always going to do something. Your brain's goal is to keep you safe at all times. Mm-hmm. But sometimes these survival behaviors they can become unhelpful. So Mm -hmm. like what you're saying, like your brain is saying, okay, I want to keep you safe because I don't want this to happen again to you. Um, This might be a threat. But when we experience trauma, like you're saying, you you became a bit hypervigilant because you're trying to protect yourself. We can see threats, 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 threats all around. And then it's more difficult to disarm those threats and return to Mm -hmm. that um, state of calm. Mm -hmm. So I also like that you said, I'm not saying that, I can't go to therapy right. now. And, um, oh, I, the, you mentioned I should have at the moment, but sometimes it's, it's, it's not uncommon for us to not process fully what actually happened in the moment because we didn't have the tools to do it, or we're still in survival mode. So, so and when you're in survival mode, you're not thinking logically, ragically, um, rationally, and all of these things. It's just, I need to survive in this moment, so I'm going to do what I can to survive. And that's where you have those responses. So the fight flight or freeze so mm-hmm. fighting like cursing yelling somebody out and then flight you're running away or freeze which is more common than people think mm-hmm. so if you can't get away from the threat too 
you 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 shut down because your body's trying to protect you too. But um, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I'm a freeze kind of girl, guys. It makes me nice. You're like, oh, what that little what that little do? But Emma, thank yeah. you so much for coming. Tell the people where they could find you. Tell them where they could find your oh, podcast, sure. like the name of the pages and all of that sure, good sure, stuff. Sure. So um, again, my name is Emma Tuleta, a master's clinical psychologist, human first, by the way. <laughs> Um, so on Instagram, you could find me at the right psychologist. So right meaning like right, left, the right psychologist. And, um, you could also find our podcast, Marissa Stubbs and my, you know, my podcast at adulthood loading podcast on Instagram and, um, wherever you find your podcast. So Apple, Spotify, Radio Public, YouTube. YouTube as mm-hmm. well. If you're and a visual, if you're a visuals kind of person, there on YouTube yeah, as well. Yeah, and we have a bunch of episodes there, even about like financial health, mm-hmm. um, about imposter syndrome, very real. Um, That's the one where you feel like you aren't good enough, right? Yeah. Okay. You feel like it. a fraud. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, and uh, navigating friendships as mm-hmm. an adult, it can get awkward, bro. <laughs> navigating them, making them, all that stuff. Yeah. All that stuff. So. Okay, well, thank you for coming to the Gal Cave today, Emma. I really appreciate it. Oh, I forgot to say it in the beginning. But if it was not obvious, yes, I did know Emma before she was a guest. We are not best friends. We've known each other since we were very small. We danced together, so and y'all know how I feel about dance. So Emma's very special to me, so I'm very, very grateful that you could come, and I'm so proud of the woman oh, that you are. Thank you. So beautiful inside and out, guys. Oh, my God. This <laughs> has been a pod called Gals. Two brown girls in the two for two. Get a dose of what you missed and what you never knew. Real conversations, our interpretation, behaving persuasion. That's the way that we give it to you. Gals, what they want. Gals, what they need. It's a man's world, they stay, but not in the gal cave. Gals, what they want.